motion. They get it to him. More in space. A burst of speed. A first down for Purdue. He's still going. More cuts back. Touchdown. This is the running back. Play action. And Manning's going to heave one. Is oh, there's a flag. Beckham a one-handed catch. How in the world? Oh my goodness. This is sick. Put this to music. I don't think he stepped out either. That may be the greatest catch I've ever seen. Number 39. Penalty's declined. Revolt of the play. Touchdown. You have to be kidding me. That is impossible. That is absolutely impossible what he just did. That may be the greatest catch I've ever seen in my life. It's in the conversation. Wow. Evan, there's been a lot of changes this offseason for your team. How do you feel your chances are in the AL East? Um, I mean, I love our chances. You know, it's been... Uh, it's been... Oh, oh, keep it on the field. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, the extra oomph. It's amazing, isn't it, that water at 211 degrees is just hot water. But at 212 degrees, it boils, it can produce steam and power a locomotive. One degree that can make the difference. Throughout life, what I've discovered is that there's an extra oomph sometimes that you've got to put into your purpose if you're going to see it fulfilled. There's everybody turn around, look at your neighbor and say the extra oomph. That's a word. Let's try it one more time. The extra oomph. You know, you're, you're just too relaxed while you're saying that. Would you stand up on your feet with me? Everybody stand up, turn around and look at your neighbor, and I want you to speak like you're Italian. <laughs> and I want you to go, the extra oomph. <laughs> All right, all right, come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. He's... <clears throat> I want to talk to you this morning for a little bit about peering past the present. Would you say that with me? Peering past the present. There's one thing that I've discovered is that if you're going to see God work in your life, you can't get focused on present circumstances. Because if the devil can get you to look at where you're at, you're never going to see where you're going, where God wants you. Years ago, I, I uh, got hired uh, down here. You know, I, I lived up north until I was about 16 years old. I lived outside of Chicago in a suburb. And then when my dad passed, my mom moved us to Southern Illinois, which is where they were all from. And I ended up finishing up. I moved in the middle of my 11th grade year and went from a high school that had hundreds in the graduating class to a high school where there were just, I think there may have been a hundred of us in the graduating class. I'm not sure, but it was in Vienna High. During that time, you know, I was transitioning and it was, it was tough. 
I could drive five miles up north and be in any major town. I lived in a place called Buncombe. When I got ready to leave up north, my English teacher made me a huge chocolate chip cookie. And she wrote on it in icing, where is Buncombe? And so in Buncombe, you had to drive 24 miles to get to any major town. And when I'm saying major town, that would be Marion. And, and, and understand, and well, you say, well, what about Vianna? Well, I tried that out, and what I found out is that for kicks, everybody drove up to Vianna, sat on the square, and watched the cars drive around the square. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm missing something here, right? There's something more to life than this. And they're just driving around the square, and they're just as happy. Hey! I'm saying all that to let you understand that I was transitioning. Everybody say transitioning. It's tough to transition, isn't it? it, it sometimes you have to get in. And the, the bad thing is, is if you're not careful, you keep it looking where you came from instead of where you're going. And so I was working for a farmer in Lick Creek. I mean, I'm, my life is getting tremendously better. I went from living in Buncombe to working in Lick Creek. And so I, I, I go down there and I, I get on this tractor. It's a John Deere 4020. I'd never been on a tractor in my life. I get on this tractor and this guy hires me to disc his field. Never been on a tractor in my life. And this is what he told me. He said, you have to fix your eyes on something at the end of that field and keep... Now look, folks, this is before there's anything called GPS. This is before tractors drove themselves. And he said, you've got to fix your eyes on something at the end of that field and keep moving toward it. I wanted that job so bad. I wanted to do well, but here I am out of the city trying to figure out and navigate life. So I took the only bit of information I had and I held on to it. Fix your eyes on a mark and move toward it. That afternoon, he came back to the field and he took me aside and he said, you ever drive a tractor before? I said, no, sir. You ever disc a field before? Well, no, sir, if I haven't driven a tractor, I haven't disc a field. <laughs> he looked at me and he said, well, son, I'm just gonna tell you, you'd never be able to tell it by looking at that field out there. No matter where you're at in life, if you'll apply that principle, set your eyes on the mark and move toward it, Amen. you're going to find out that everything's going to come out fine. <laughs> Just set your eyes on the mark and move toward it. You can't get caught up in, you, you have to learn how to peer past the present, look beyond it. Let me say it to you this way. You have to say 
what you see so you can see what you say. Now, let me explain what I mean. You have to say what you see in the future. You have to say what you see as the mark. You have to declare what God's put in your spirit. You can't wait for it to show up before you start talking about it. You've got to speak it out. You've got to declare it. And if you'll say what you see, then you're going to end up seeing what you say because he creates the fruit of the lips. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, talk with some oomph. Peer past the present. Let me read for you in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, sorry, with verse 13. This is from the message. Each one of these people of faith died, not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance, waved their greeting, and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. If they were homesick for the old country, they could have gone back anytime they wanted. But they were after a far better country than that, a heavenly country. You can see why God's so proud of them and he has a city waiting for them. You understand there's something waiting for you. There's something waiting for you. But what happens is sometimes we get, now, now it's true, that, and you've heard the saying that you can be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. But you can also be so carnally minded that you can't see the things of heaven in front of you. You can get so wrapped up in your present that you forget that God has got something better than your scene right now. And this is what I want you to hear. It's when you get wrapped up in your present, sometimes it makes it really difficult to get past your present and embrace your future. I'm a firm believer that you need to enjoy every day. You need to take hold of today and say that, that you know, there used to be, what was that? that, that phrase carpe diem. It means seize the day. Don't let it slip through your hand, but seize the day like so. Someone with purpose. Seize the day like somebody that's going someplace. Seize the day like someone that knows there's a God that's ordering their steps and he's got something far better waiting. Amen. Kids are in the other room over there. Let's talk about Halloween. Ooh. You know, when, when I was a kid, we looked forward to trick-or-treating. I lived in a rough neighborhood, so there was more than one occasion I had to dodge a few eggs. <laughs> they burnt the house down. In, my, in, in the corner, it was, a, a, it, it was abandoned. In one year, for kicks, they, they, they burnt it down. You understand what I'm talking about? It was, I remember, I, I, I came from the neighborhood where you would hear on the news that somebody would slipped a razor blade in an apple. So focused on the present that you can't see past it. But how many of you know that everybody's not a devil? 
Take a moment and point out. No. <laughs> Do you understand? And sometimes. Sometimes, how many of you remember that, 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 that show, Flip Wilson? You remember Flip Wilson? What was his big line? Oh, that's somebody that's speaking like they know about it. The devil made me do it. How many of you know that there are times that you did some things that weren't pleasing to God? Wave your hand, would you? Those of you that don't have your hands up can come up and repent afterwards. We've all been there, right? But what happens is usually we get our focus robbed from us and we're so wrapped up in the present right where I'm at right now that I can't move past this. And, 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 and so I can't, my, my peripheral vision is messed up. I, I can't see past me. You know, the catch that I thought was real impressive was the last one. That guy heard that bat crack, and out of the corner of his eye, he wasn't so distracted with his present that he couldn't see what was coming. He wasn't so wrapped up in talking to the person in front of him that he couldn't see the danger coming. And out of his peripheral vision, he saw that baseball and snatched that thing right before it hit that lady upside the head. Did you see the same video I watched? <laughs> I mean, I thought that was pretty impressive. How about you? You know who thought it was real impressive? The woman. The woman that went, oh, the woman. Do you understand that God has kept us from so many attacks? He's kept us been through so many from so many dangers. He's there fighting for us. The book of Hebrews is known as the book of faith. The 11th chapter of Hebrews, the book of faith. I want to take a look at some people who were able to peer past their present and they made it into the hall of fame. Romans 12 and 3 tells us this. It says that God has given everyone the measure of faith. Everyone the measure of faith. But what you do with your measure makes all the difference. We were talking in our Bible class on Tuesday night. I said, think of it this way. I give each one of you a kernel of corn and some people take it and look at it and put it in a drawer others look at it and they stick it in a microwave and pop and get one popcorn just one piece oh, that's the best popcorn I ever had in my life but others take it and plant it they invest some time into watering it and caring for it and nurturing it. They make sure that weeds don't take it over. And after a season, they step out and they look, and that one kernel of corn has turned into hundreds of kernels of corn because of what they did with what had been dealt to them or what had been given to them. That's how faith works. 
God gives us a measure of faith, and then it's up to us to decide what we do with it. And if you put the extra oomph into that measure, you're going to get extraordinary results. Take a look at a man by the name of Noah. He lives in a world where everybody's written God off. How about you? Where if you talk about God, people laugh at you. They think you're crazy. They think you're on the fringe. That was Noah's world. But Noah didn't care. Because he understood this is not about me and them. This is about me and him. And because he kept his focus, he was able to peer past his presence and get a look at God. And the Bible said that he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And do you know what God did because of that? God revealed to Noah something that was going to happen that had never happened before in history. It's going to rain. Everybody say rain. But it's not just going to. Do you understand that when it rained, it had never rained before. They they didn't know what rain was. The Bible said that the earth was watered from the ground, that there was a, a, a mist and a dew that came up from the ground and watered. But Noah starts trying to tell everybody about something that's getting ready to happen that's never happened before. Can any of you relate to that? Any of you been trying to tell folks that he's coming back? Well, that's never happened before. You're absolutely right. You can't come back until you came the first time. So he was here, but he's coming back. And Noah believed it. And because he believed it, he acted on it. And he built an ark. So here's my question to you, and I want you to answer it. You don't have to answer it out loud, but I want you to answer this question. How's your ark coming? No, I want you to think about it. He built an ark, and the result was it saved his family. How's your ark coming? Are you preparing your family. Well, how do you prepare your family? You believe for yourself. You believe for yourself. Not about whether or not mama believed it or daddy believed it, but you believe it for yourself. And when you get a hold of it and people know you got a hold of it, Charles was in my office earlier today. Is it all right if I share this? He, he, I was going to whether you said yes or no. <laughs> he, I'm kidding. Uh, he was in the office and he was talking about he, he, he was at the rally yesterday and he came across a guy that he used to work with. And he said, that guy, they got to talking to the guy, looked at him, he said, you know, he said, you, you remember when we worked together? He said, you was always talking to me, you know, about God and stuff like that. And he said, I never really thought much about it. He said, but when I finally came to that place in my life, where my heart was ready, and I I said yes to Jesus. He said, you're the first person I thought about. Your effort's not in vain. 
Just because you don't see it happen right then and right there, you need to learn how to peer past your presence because what you're speaking into their life, you're going to see come to pass someday if you'll hang on. Moses learned how to peer past his presence. Scripture said that he chose rather to suffer affliction with the children of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. How many of you know that sin's pleasurable? (laughs) I know y'all better than that. How many of you used to whoop it up a little bit? Hold your hand up if you used to whoop it up a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you say, oh, I never did nothing like that. You're sitting next to your wife, honey. I've always been. <laughs> she knows you used to howl at the moon. You used to whoop it up a little bit. Used to, and, and it was enjoyable. But how many of you know that the Bible said that the wages of sin is death? You, you've got to pay. You've got to. Everybody say payday someday. (laughs) Well, then how how in the world do you think you're ever going to get saved? Because if the wages of sin is death, surely there's a price for salvation. That's right. And that price was paid in full by the blood of the Lamb. And I'm laying claim to it through him. So Moses was able to look past and he said, you know, this isn't going to last forever. I'm not, I, I know in, I'm, I'm being pampered in Egypt, but Egypt's going to pass away someday. And I want to make sure that I'm on the right side of things when it does. Learning how to get oomph in your faith. Rahab. Everybody say harlot. prostitute for hire. I remember I was in Russia and a young girl's ambition in Russia was to become a prostitute when she graduated high school. It's because she could make more money doing that than she could anything else. And economic times were so desperate and so bad. I, there, there was a guy in the hotel I was staying in, and I, I came out in the hall, and I saw this guy standing at the door with a girl and another guy, and they had opened the door, and he's looking in like this. And in my mind, I thought, you're going to die the death of a fool. He was trying to check it out to see if it was okay to go in the room He's getting ready to try and enjoy himself for a moment. I heard a story about a young lady that lived for God all of her life. It had always never, you know, really always been, you know, the old saying is Miss Goody Two Shoes. And she got to the point where she felt like, you know, I never got to sow any wild seed. And I, 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 just, I just feel like I, I need to sow some wild seed. And she made up her mind that one summer was going to be her summer of rebellion. And she was going to sow wild seed. And then after it was all over, she'd repent and, and, and get things right. And so she did, man. She went wild and she struck up a relationship with a guy and was doing every ungodly thing that she knew better. Summer passed, and the guy was gone, and 
she did give her heart back to God. She thought everything's fine now. Until one day she got a package through the mail. She opened up the box and inside the box there was a miniature coffin that somebody had handmade. When she opened it up there was a rose inside and a note. And it was from the guy she'd been running with. And this is what the note said. I give you the gift of death. I have AIDS. Now you have it too. He knew he had AIDS before he went into the relationship with her. Do you understand? The world doesn't care about you. The world will chew you up and spit you out and never blink an eye. But there's a God that cares about you, that loves you, that wants to be there for you if you'll embrace him. And so Moses made the choice to embrace God. And by his decision, he changed the lives of an entire nation. You never know who you're going to have an impact on. You never know who your life's going to touch if you'll just hang on. Rahab knows what it's like to be in bondage. Do you think she wants to do that? Do you think those girls in Russia wanted to sell themselves? They were trying to survive. They were trying to find a way to get out of the bondage that they were in. And so when Rahab sees these two spies that come from Israel, she hides them in her house and tells the rulers of the city she's got no clue where they went. They were here, but they've left. If you hurry, you can catch them. And then she brings those men out from hiding, and she looks at them, and she said, everybody in this city knows your, how your God dried up the Red Sea and caused you to walk over on dry ground. I want you to remember me. I want you to show me mercy. I want you to show me kindness. Do you understand that what she was speaking about had happened 40 years ago, but this prostitute is talking to them like it happened yesterday because for 40 years she's been thinking about a God that could set her free, that could break the bondage. He brought the Jews out of captivity. Surely he can bring me out of mine. And so she peered past her present and saw the hope of a better tomorrow. And God gave her the miracle. Do you ever think about the miracle of Rahab? She let a scarlet thread out or rope out over the wall. When they marched around the walls, what happened? The walls collapsed except one section of wall where Rahab's house was. I'm telling you, when everything is falling apart around you, God is still able to keep you. And he will not forget his promises because they're yea and amen. An angel of God, one of the men that shows up in the hall of faith is Gideon. An angel of God shows up and he said, you're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon says in the vernacular, you kidding me? He said, look, if, if God's for us, then why are we going through all this? 
I mean, we've heard about all of his miracles, and, and I mean, if God is for us, then why are we going through this? Have any of you ever been there? Come on, talk to me today. Have any of you ever been in a situation where you found yourself saying, God, if you're real, then how come I'm going through this? God, if you love me, then why am I facing this? Just because you're going through something doesn't mean God doesn't love you. Amen. Your mama loved you. Amen. Did that make life easy for you? For those of you that daddy loved, did it make life easy for you? No, you still got to go through your stuff. But you need to understand you never have to go through it alone. Because if God before you, who my friend can be against you? And so the angel spoke to Gideon and said, rise up and go in this thy strength. Everybody say, I got a little muscle. Come here, Caitlin. You ready? Turn around. Right here, right here. You ready? Lock arms. You ready? Okay. Okay, it's your turn. understand something? God, Gideon, <laughs> God sees something in Gideon that Gideon can't see in himself. God sees his hand turning Gideon into his champion, into his war. He's saying, go in your strength. What's he saying? I want you to understand at the end of the day, I'm the reason you won the victory. You're not the reason you did the reason. Thank you. Give her a hand, would you? We all got a little strength. What you got to do is be willing to go oomph. Come on. When you put some oomph with what you got, God will take care of the rest. But when you act lackadaisical about it, I had one, guy, one boy I had in my Sunday school class, and I had to go talk to him because his mama said, I'm, I'm having problems with my son. Can you talk to him? So I went and he said, I said, well, what's the problem? He said, he won't pack out the trash. And I walked up to him. I can't even remember what his name was. I think his name was Donnie. I said, Donnie, what's the deal? I said, how come you won't pack out the trash? He said, well, you teach me that Jesus can do everything. And I said, yeah, that's right. He said, well, then I just asked Jesus to pack the trash out for me. I looked at him. I said, boy, get off your back end and grab that trash when your mama asks you and pack it out and quit acting like that. You know what he did? He packed out the trash the next time. Why? Because we got to quit acting like we're not involved in the process at all and we're kicked back and Jesus is bringing us our glass tea and a tumbler. He wants us to be engaged in the process. He said, I've given you some strength, now use it. I've given you some ability, now let it work in your life. And when we use what we got, he does the rest. You have to peer past your present. David has been running for his life for years. Some, I think it's like eight years that he flees for his life. And then all of a sudden, he, he's got these 600 men that have gathered to them, and he's got the greatest fighting force 
that the world has ever seen. Nations are afraid of him, man. He shows up to go to battle, and the Philistines looked at King Achish and said, you send that guy home. He, we're not going out in the field with him. He'll take our heads off. He goes home only to discover that their city named Ziklag has been torched and burned with fire. All their stuff is stolen. Their families are kidnapped, and everything they loved was gone. To make matters worse, his 600 mighty men turned and looked at him and said, we ought to just kill you. You're the reason all this has happened. It would have been easy to have run. It would have been easy to have gotten shook up. But David knew something about his God. He knew that when there's a lion and a bear, they're no match for Jehovah Jireh. He knew that when there's a giant, they're no match for God. And David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You know what I believe he did? I believe David started thinking about the promises. I believe David peered past his present and said, wait a minute. I've got a word from God, and he told me that I'm a king, and I'm not going to let some army come in here and take everything away that God has blessed me with. And he went to God, and he said, see, he asked God. He didn't just take it on himself, but he went to God, and he said, shall I pursue? And God said, go get him, boy. And when David came back, he'd recovered all. You've got to have some oomph in it. How many of you got a dog at home? How many of you have a big dog at home? Big dog at home. When a stranger walks into your yard, does your big dog go? Look, I've met chihuahuas. Huh? You call it what you want to, I'll call it what I want. I met you, this was a chihuahua I found because this dog had a wow factor to it. That dog wasn't that big. And he came out there like he was Ren 1010. Come running up to me. Their owner's there, you can't step on them. You know what I'm talking about? You literally thought about, what's wrong with you, man? Oh, hi. That dog is trying to take your leg off. That dog knows no fear because he's got a oomph in him. That chihuahua has a wow factor in his life. I've watched little bitty dogs chase big dogs. And doesn't it frustrate you? I mean, if you've got a big dog and there's a little chihuahua, chihuahua, chihuahua going after it, it's almost embarrassing. It's like you want to get in the car and drive off. I don't know whose dog that is. It's like you want to turn around and look at him and say, come on, man. Put on your britches. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. I don't care if you're a dog. Act like you've got some oomph in you. I had, my, my uncle had a Great Dane. 
This great Dane, that he also had hogs. My niece had gotten over into the hog pen, and she got tripped up in this sow that weighed 300 plus pounds, started after her and was going to eat her up. That great Dane jumped that fence, grabbed that hog by the ear, and pinned it to the ground. Why? Because he said, that's mine. That's, she belongs to me, and I'm not going to let you touch her. Would to God that we could understand that we are the sheep of his pastor. We belong to him. And when the devil comes in trying to take us out, that hand that Cat talked about reaches out of heaven, grabs the devil by the nap of the neck, and says, not today, boy, and gives him a cast. Jesus made the statement and said, I beheld Satan like lightning falling from heaven. Do you know that when God... God got a hold of him 186,000 miles a second. We serve a big God. We got to get some oomph in our faith. We have to peer past our present so we can see what we say. Everybody say, can you see it yet? What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. These are all statements of faith by people that knew. Statements of faith from the apostle Paul. You're going to get locked up when you go to Jerusalem. They're going to bind you. He said, none of these things move me. I got some oomph in my faith. John, that's banished to the Isle of Patmos, they tried to boil him in oil and he wouldn't boil. Do you know that about John? Dictators took him and put him in a vat of boiling oil and he didn't boil They said, we don't know what to do with this guy. We're going to ship him off. So they sent him to Patmos. And when he got to Patmos, he just started to write and saw some stuff. He's the one that talks to us. And he says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Everybody say, I'm going to peer past my present and get some oomph in my face. I don't mean to offend you, but I don't believe you. What he's saying, you just didn't sound convincing. Try it one more time. I'm going to peer past my present and get some oomph. You're getting close. You've got to get the motion. Sister, there's got it. She's with me. Get some, try it with me one time. Get some oomph in my faith. Think about it. Think about what Paul tells Timothy. Stir up the gift that's inside of you. God puts something in there. And he's saying you need to stir it up. 
There were places in my life when I could feel the attack. And I'd have to get down and begin to pray, God, stir up what you put in me. Stir it up, God. Cause it to rise up. God's made an investment in you. To every man has been dealt the measure of faith. What will you do with what he's given you? Let me share with you what a man named Wigglesworth did with his. He believed God. He was in a meeting in San Francisco at the Glad Tidings Tabernacle. And they brought a man in. There were, there were six folk. It was on a Sunday afternoon, and they were having a healing service. Man, people, I mean, all kinds of people came in to that service. And it's one particular man they brought from the hospital. He was dying of cancer. Doctor escorted him, and they took him, and they put him on stage. And the doctor sat there monitoring his heart. And when Wigglesworth got to him, he looked at him, and in that Scottish brogue, he said, what's up? The doctor looked at him and said, he's dying of cancer. Wigglesworth said, where's it at? He said, it's in his stomach. And he got some oomph in his faith. Now, don't do this unless God told you to do it. And if God tells you to do it, you're going to get the same result he got. But Wigglesworth balled up his fist, and he hit that guy in the stomach. And when he did, that guy went limp on that cot. Doctor's got a stethoscope. He's listening. The doctor said, you've killed him. You've killed him, man. You've killed him. Wigglesworth said, shut up. <laughs> Looked at me, said, I said, he's healed. And he took off walking down the stage praying for other people. He didn't let that get to him. He just kept praying for folks. After about 10 minutes, that guy leaped up off of that cot. He had on a hospital gown. You know what I'm talking about. He went running down the stage. True story. He went running down the stage after Wigglesworth going, I'm healed. I'm healed. That hospital gown just a flapping. I'm healed. The doctor's running behind him yelling, he's healed. He's healed. Wigglesworth looked at him and said, well, praise God for it and kept praying for people. You know what would happen to most of us if something like that happened? We'd stop the meeting right there and we'd focus on that for about 30 minutes to an hour. Praise God. Wigglesworth just knew that God was able. He had some oomph in his faith. Let me share one more story with you and we're going to pray. There's another man by the name of R.W. Schambach. He's in a meeting and this, he has a prayer line and he starts praying for people and he prays for this lady that's coming through the line and she's blind. And he prays for her and says, God, I just ask that you restore her sight. And he starts to leave her and go to the next one. She grabs him. She got hold of me. No, 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 no. I said, he said, just take it by faith. She said, no, I'm not leaving. I'm not moving from this spot until you do what God told me 
you were supposed to do. He said, well, what did God tell you? She looked at him and said, God told me to tell you to spit in my eye. True story. He looked at her and said, sister, I'm not spitting in your eye. Just take it by faith. Just go on, take it by She said, no, I'm not leaving. Well, I'm not by now. Man, a scene's starting to happen because everybody's hearing this. And Shambach's going, what in the world am I going to do? And it just keeps getting worse. And she, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving until you do what God told me to tell you to do. He said, man, he said, I finally looked at her and I and spit in her eye just to get her gone. And then she let him go and he went on and he's praying for people. And he's thinking, man, there's gonna, th this is gonna hit the newspapers. And all of a sudden, just, just in a, a, a few moments, he heard, ah! He turned around to see what was going on. And that lady was jumping all over the place because she could see again. You see, just because it may seem strange to you, that's because you're looking at the moment. It wasn't Shambach's faith that brought that miracle. It was that lady's faith that had the oomph. I mean, you got to believe when you're asking somebody to spit in your eye. Would you stand with me? So here's my question to you. Are you ready to look past your present? Are you ready to peer into your future? I love that scripture in Hebrews. It said, look, these folks made it plain that they were looking for something far better this, this country they were in because they had every opportunity to go back. You can always go back, but you're never going to know the promise and the purpose of God in your life if you keep looking back. Peer past your present. See what God has for you and to begin to declare that thing. Because when you say what you see, you'll see what you say. If you're ready for it, I want you to move out of your pew right now and just come and stand in front of this bell. See, this is what I'm getting at. Now, this isn't, I want you to hear me. Now, look, we'll pray for you if you need prayer, but this is what I want you to get. This isn't about you getting blessed today. This is about you being a blessing. This isn't about God touching you. This is about you touching God for someone else. You remember what I told? I think it was last week I, I told about the guy that had the back problem and when he reached out to pray for someone else, he was healed. So I want you to begin to believe God for some oomph. I want you to believe God for some fire. He came to baptize us with Holy Ghost and fire. Everybody say, it's getting hot in here. I'm sweating, man. <laughs> getting, starting to get a little warm, preacher. I pray to God that it gets so warm for you that you can't sit on chairs anymore, but you have to get up 
and do something for God. And say, here I am, Lord, use me. Charles had just gone to work with that guy all those years. Never had a revival in that plant. Never jumped on the table at break time and said, can I have your attention? I want to pray for everybody. Never did anything like that. He just day in and day out continued to love God and show them that love. And when it was all said and done, the first person that man thought of was the one that had shown himself faithful. I'm telling you, you can have an impact like you can't imagine. Let me just, let me just stretch your hands to heaven with me just a second. Look, I want you to look at me a second. I want you to get this. The reason you've had such a battle is because you'll have such an impact. If it, if it wasn't for the fact, if it, if, it, if, it was, if, if it was just going to be something ordinary, you wouldn't feel the struggle that you feel all, all the time. And, it, and, and, and sometimes it gets pretty intense. It's because the devil knows that once you get the oomph factor, you're going to have an impact in people's lives like you've never imagined before. Yes, yes, mm. yes. So I just want you to raise your hands just as high as you can get them and say it with me. God, I'm ready for the oomph. Now, I want you to hear me because I know there's still a little bit of hesitation, but it's okay. Because God told Gideon, go in your strength. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have it all worked out. You just need to know I'm going to show up. <laughs> I'm just going to show up. Would you stretch your hands to heaven with me, Father? I can do anything. I can do all things. Because it's you who gives me strength. grab somebody's hand if one can put a thousand to flight and two ten thousand what happens when the church comes together and says here I am God we're ready for some over father we come to you right now in the name of Jesus God I declare miracles I declare your healing power I declare our families coming home in Jesus name let it be now let it be now Impossible. Do you ever do? You, hey, where's uh, is uh, 
is David in here? David, how many of you know that Murfreesboro football team won yesterday? First time, first time they've been in the finals, right? Huh? In 80 years. Since the 80s. Oh, since the 80s. First time they've been in the finals since the 80s. And these boys have been battling and battling, and they were up 14 to nothing. And all of us are 15 to nothing. And all of a sudden the other team came back and it looked like it was over. But some of those little boys found some oomph. See, if you're going to win, you need to act like a winner. If you're going to be victorious, then step out and face your giants and say, my God is able. walking around hanging our head feeling like I'm barely making it we're declaring a thing today that if God is for us who can be against us we are entering into our oomph factor everybody say it with me I got some oomph I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to ask them this do you need a little oomph Come on, ask him. Do you need a little oomph? Because the way I'm feeling right now, I got plenty to go around. Come here a minute. Raise those hands to heaven. Hey, do you know the devil's a liar and everything he's told you about your family and about yourself? I believe, I believe. I receive right now the word of God over my life. I am who he said I am. I'm going to do what I he believe, said I would I do believe, in Jesus. I believe, I believe. I believe, I believe. I believe, I believe. I believe, I believe in you. Get your neighbor's hand. I want you to raise your hands to heaven with me. Now, this is what I want you to get. Now, look, I, I pray for you all day long. But this isn't about me. This is about him. And you need to understand something, that he loves you so much, he designed a hotline to heaven for you. And all you gotta do is reach up and get on the phone and say, here I am, God. When you walk out of this place today, you're walking out with some fire in your bones. You're walking out with a confidence knowing that God has got I know you've been facing some stuff and it seemed like for the last I see three months that have just been like a merry-go-round man and it's been it's been wild but God said you need to understand something I brought you to this place for this purpose so I can prove to you that I am with you that I am for you and all he's waiting for is you to say yes are you ready just shout it just shout it one time yes one more time. Yeah.
Screams, I am free. 